where we're supposed to go. Today uh, really should have been Vision Sunday, but uh, as you know that last week, Michelle and I and the whole family were involved in a car wreck on the way to church, 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and uh, my father and everybody was very gracious and able to jump in, and I was going to share vision for what I feel like 2023 is, and I think I still might do that just for a moment, if you don't mind. But I want you to go in your Bibles real quick. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, and nobody knew that I was going to do this because Jack had a great graphic for me that he was going to put up. But uh, I, I just kind of want to start here because I kind of just want to chart where we're going this year, where I really think that we as a church, where we really need to be in order to line up with where God wants us to be at the end of the year. Amen? And so I really feel like that um, if we go to the book of Hebrews... And I mentioned it just for a moment last week. But really, 2023, how it goes for you is going to be in direct proportion to the attention, the care, and the detail you give to this word. So really, 2023 is in all of our own hands. There's a lot of great prophecies out there, aren't there? Amen. And I believe it, the year of the open hand, the year of the abundance. There's a lot of just powerful, powerful prophecies over 2023. But in order for those prophecies to work for me, I've got to have faith for them. Just because they are spoken by somebody doesn't mean that they're automatically going to happen. It means that I, by faith, I have to now go back and I have to get that word. See, whoever gave that prophecy had a revelation of what that prophecy was. God spoke to them. Now, they share that prophecy with us, and you and I take that prophecy, we mix our faith, it will work for us. But 2023, how it's going to go for each and every one of us is in direct proportion to the attention, the honor, the respect, and the time that we spend in God's Word this year. I believe that God is calling this church to a deeper walk through His Word. I believe that it is vital for you and me as men and women. See, we don't live in church, do we? We don't live in church. You're going to leave here and you're going to go right back into the world that is trying to marinate you with an antichrist spirit. You are going to get back on the roads tomorrow. You're going to go back into an office. And if I could use a word that everybody likes to use, let's just call it toxic for a believer. Because everything out there is designed to try and pull whatever peace, whatever faith, whatever joy, whatever hope that we're trying to put in you on a Sunday morning. And let me tell you, there's just not enough that we can do on a Sunday morning. Each and every one of us need to be studiers of his word. Not casual readers. Not just a big book. See, my Bible used to be the greatest seat saver the world had ever seen. If you ever went somewhere and you wanted to save your seat, if you put your Bible in that chair, no one would ever touch that Bible. That was your Bible. No one would dare to touch that book because it was your Bible. But see, that doesn't profit me anything. So let's look at Hebrews Actually, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, 
We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Immediately right there when it says lay aside every weight, what it's trying to imply is, is the arrow tips that we've been walking around with us. See, all through the day, the enemy is firing arrows at us. We have arrows through unforgiveness. We have arrows through hurt. We have arrows through unrealized expectations. We have people that have hurt us, things that have hurt us, governments that have hurt us, people that have hurt us. And unless we've dealt with those, yeah, we might have pulled the arrow out, but that arrow tip is still in there. And that's what the Bible's talking about. It's weighing me down. So I got to get free of all that stuff. Amen? If you want to run this race, if we want to do what God's called us to do, we got to forgive. We got to lay all that stuff down. And it might be painful and it might hurt, but we've got to do this thing. If we're going to run this race, we don't need an extra 50 pound bag on our back to do it. I've got guys at my gym, they will come in, they will go get a vest, they will load it up with extra weight, they will do pull-ups, push-ups, and, and I'm happy for them. I'll watch them do it all day. I'm not doing that. But they want that extra weight. See, I don't, we can't afford to carry around the extra weight. Anybody put on some extra weight over the holidays? Be on. Oh, look at everybody's like, yes, pastor, there was two pounds from that Snickers that I had. No. We put on a little bit of weight. We can feel it. We move differently. We're a little more sluggish. It's trying to weigh us down. But what the word is saying is, is that we've got to deal with that extra weight, the spiritual weight. We cannot afford spiritual weight to do what God has called us to do. Continuing in Hebrews 12. It says, in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Do you know what the sin which so easily ensnares us is? It's the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of unbelief. What he is, what he is paraphrasing, what he is pointing to, it's not though that I'm just going to walk outside and all of a sudden I'm going to fall into murder. I'm going to fall into being a thief. I'm going to fall into adultery. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that all this sin when we walk, we're just going to get ensnared in it. The number one sin, listen to me, the sin that kept Israel out of the promised land, the sin that sends people to hell, there is only one sin and it is the sin of unbelief. That is the ultimate sin. It's knowing that there's a power in God's word. It's experiencing God's power. It's living in God's power, but then not believing that it works anymore. That's what happened to Israel. They saw all the miracles. God took them out of Egypt. They saw everything that God did. But yet when they got into the wilderness and they had to live by their own faith, they could not believe and therefore they died in the wilderness. We're not going to die in the wilderness, are we? No, we are going to do everything that God has called us to do. We're going to do it by faith. And you know how you deal with unbelief? This is really, really scientific. Do you know how you deal with unbelief? Don't believe it. Don't believe the unbelief. Use it against itself. Choose to believe God's word. I know that it doesn't look like it's always working. I know that sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, God, why does it seem to work for everybody but me? 
The devil will do that nonstop. Lord, why is this not working? Why did this happen? Why did it not go the way that I wanted it to? That doesn't mean that faith's not working. We, we have to learn more about this standing thing. Having done all to what? Stand. Having stand, stand some more. Brother Hagin used to say, if you're willing to wait forever, it just won't take that long. We have to be willing to stand for the promises of God. Amen? There has to be some endurance that we deal with. There has to be a place where we just say, you know what? It doesn't matter if this whole thing blows up in my face. I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe this word. And I'm ready to go down with this ship if that's what it means. We've got to get to the point where all we are dependent on is him. And this word. Amen. It's really all about his word. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 2. This is our theme for 2023. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Our whole theme this year is keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, if you're like me, you want to know practically what does that look like? How, did Pastor Jack, do I keep my eyes on Jesus? How do I do it? I don't see Jesus. I don't feel Jesus. Do I write Jesus' name on a piece of paper? How in the world do I keep my eyes on something that I can't see? I want you to look at the book of Psalms because he tells us exactly how we keep our eyes on Jesus. I believe it's Psalms 52, 6. Let's see if I'm right. Drum roll, please. Do we have that, Mr. Luke? That is not it. Psalms 52.6. All right. Trust me, okay? It's 51.6 or 52.6? You're going to know immediately when I say it. This is how you keep your eyes upon Jesus, okay? My soul waits silently on God alone, for my expectation is from him. All right, who's going to get it first? What verse is it, honey? 62.5. I knew it! <laughs> Psalm 62.5. This is how you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My soul waits silently on God alone for my expectation is from him. Now, I'm going to find out just how spiritual of a congregation we are right now because we're going to do two things at the same time. Are you ready? Can we stay in the spirit for a minute? I need all of my super kids, first through fifth grade, to very quietly and quickly go over to Pastor Michelle as y'all go back to super kids. All right, they're doing great. 
Psalms 62.5, my soul waits silently on God alone for my expectation is from him. How do I keep my eyes on Jesus when I can't see him? We've got to use our faith and believe that all of our expectation comes from him. And I really think what the Lord is saying is, is whatever we've been putting our faith in is being challenged right now. Anybody in a, in a faith challenge at the moment? We should all be in a faith challenge at the moment. Each and every one of us are being challenged right now in our faith. And it's not that the devil's getting any stronger. Is the world getting darker? Absolutely. Is this world dying? Absolutely. But see, we're not going to go out as some whimpering, whining, wounded church. What kind of church is going to leave this earth? A glorious church. A spot uh, without spot or wrinkle. That's good for a lot of us. And so it's very, very important that the way for us to do this this year is we have to have, if you are going to have a living faith, you are going to have to continually feed it with a living word. If you really want, who wants 2023 to be the best year that you've ever had? Okay, let's be real honest. 2022, thumbs up or thumbs down? Eh. It was a dumpster fire for a lot of people. Now, the beauty of it is that, hey, we're still here. We still love Jesus. Amen. Sometimes just surviving something is a victory. Amen. You made it through. But for a lot of people that I know, 2022 was a very, very rough year. We were believing for 2023. Man, this is the year of increase, the year of surprises, the year of blessing, all that wonderful year. We get dressed. We're going to come to church last Sunday. We got our suits on. We're having a great time. We get ran by somebody in a car. So there I am in the middle of Highway 6 in Richmond talking to a policeman. And I'm like, Lord, this is not the way I wanted 2023 to kick off. But you know what? We weren't hurt. We were all alive. Amen. You know, rubber, metal, all those types of things, they can be replaced. But everybody in my family is 100% fine. So, and that's 2023 is a great year. Amen. I didn't start it in the hospital. Thank you, Jesus. So, a living faith can only be powered by the living word. We must, you might want to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. We must join our faith with the word to activate its power. We must join our faith to his word to activate its power. Just reading the word is not enough. We have to go into his word. I want to be transparent with you. We have started reading the Bible over again. I'm back in Genesis Every single day I'm seeing something that I've never seen before. What's the difference between this year and last year? Nothing. But I think the more that we go into his word on purpose. How many other times do we, do we just kind of read our chapter and, okay, I've checked the box. And that's good. The more word we get in us, the better. But I'm saying each and every one of us going into his word on purpose, looking for Jesus. 
looking for God. Anytime that I go into his word looking for him, he always meets me, he's always there, and he always speaks to me. A lot of people, God, I want God, I want Jesus to appear to me. He appears to me every single day. And he does it through his word. That's why I don't follow experiences of other people. I'm so glad they had experiences where the Lord appeared to them. That's wonderful. But I always take it back to the word. I always have to go back to this is a more sure word. Amen. Even if an angel comes and tells you something, I'm still going to go back to the word of God because this is something that has never, ever, ever been off. This is living power for each and every one of us. Amen. So we must join our faith with the word to activate its power. When I go into the word, listen to me, this is so important. When I go into the word and I don't believe, I am producing unbelief. There's only two ways to read the Bible. Believing and unbelieving. And how you go into that word is going to dictate what it produces in your life. If you go into God's word looking for Jesus, believing that word, it's going to activate this thing called faith. And when faith is activated, the promises of God begin to come to you because that faith has been activated. When I read that Bible and I don't believe what it says or I don't put any, um, I don't add to it or try and make that faith work for me, then I am just producing more unbelief. And as I said before, we can, right now in Houston, Texas, there's probably 10,000 churches having church right now. 10,000 pastors that are up in their pulpits that are speaking the word, but it's only the word that you mix your faith with that's going to profit you. How much word have we sat under? Pounds of it, tons of it. But how much of it is really working for us? And I think this is where we got to be honest with ourselves. Am I, am I playing games with this word? You know, is it, is it something that, that's there? But, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't have five minutes to read the word today, Pastor Jack. There's something seriously wrong. If we don't have time, and this is not condemning, I'm just trying to tell you, sometimes we have an unrealistic expectation of where our life should be. We think that we're over here producing enough to make this life that we want. But in reality, we're not putting in what we need to do in order to get the results that we're asking for. How, let's just be honest, how important is this to you? How important is it? You've got to get to a point where this is life and death. You have to get to a point where this is where his word becomes the single most. I, I can't tell you. I have come out of weary times, depressing times, anxious times. Life is just full. And I mean, I've been to the point where like, I just want to quit. I don't want to do anything. I hate everything. And I can go to that word. I can open it up and I can read one verse and all of a sudden I'm revived. Have you ever had that happen before? 
Have you ever been there where all of a sudden you're just like, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. It's, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm weary. I'm not getting the sleep that I need. I'm not eating right. Everything's falling around. And you drag yourself out there and you lay that book open and you find one verse. And all of a sudden your spirit gets energized and you're like, yeah, I can do this. That's how vital the word has to become for us. That's how vital. That's what this church is built on. My parents built this church on the word of God. They got a word from God. Anybody know what that word was? Which one? Launch out into the deep. Luke chapter what? Five. This church, you're sitting in a seat. See, you're really out in the ocean. You didn't know it, but you, got in, you came into a boat because God told them to launch out into the deep and that's what they did. Now they've told Michelle and I to cast out the nets for a mighty harvest. God told them to launch out. God's told Michelle and I to fill the nets. We both have a word from God working together. Does that make sense? But listen to me. When we go into the word and we don't believe its power, all I'm doing is producing unbelief in my life. I have to believe that the word is so. Let's go to some awesome scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of the soul, life, and of the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, and of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. How about that? How about that word working in your body? What can that word not get to? Do you know that there are surgeries that doctor won't do, doctors won't do because tumors and other things have attached themselves to spinal cords and things and they're afraid that if they go in and they cut this one thing, they're going to cut out everything? Do you know that the word of God is sharper than that instrument that can do that? That that word actually has the ability. See, you're a body, you're a soul, and you're a spirit. And for a lot of times, we would think that those are three different things, but they're really so intertwined with one another, you can't tell where one ends and the other begins. Because that's how complex we are. There is not a laser on the face of the earth that has the capability to get in and divide those things from us. Only the word of God is made to penetrate. See, that's why when we've been hurt so bad, that's why when things that have happened to us, that's why when the deep, hurtful, hard things have happened in our lives, that all man can do is medicate us. But God has the power through his word to perform a laser-like surgery on you to get down into the very depth of where that thing happened and, and take it out so that it doesn't hurt you anymore. Where you remember that it happened, but you don't have to relive it every day. That's the power of my God's word. But just a casual glance at that word is not going to produce that kind of power. It's going to only come from this wonderful, beautiful thing 
called revelation knowledge. Revelation. When's the last time you got a revelation? Huh? Who's gotten a revelation so far this year? Everybody got a revelation? Every hand in the room should go up. All revelation knowledge is is a transfer of ownership. I looked at that verse and all of a sudden that verse became alive to me. It was activated through faith. Therefore, the promise that I looked at, it became mine. I transferred ownership of that promise and it became my promise. That's what revelation knowledge will do for each and every one of us. But it only comes through spending time with God through his spirit and through his word and meditating on that word. The word has to become first place in our lives. Church cannot be the only place where we read our Bibles. Amen? Church cannot be the only place where that book gets cracked open and I get a couple of scriptures. It has to become a part of who I am. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, but he replied, it has been written, man shall not live, be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word. Say word. word. Say word. word. Say word. word. That comes forth from the mouth of God. Now listen to me. I am as guilty of this as any person in this room. Don't think that you know a verse. Don't take for granted that just because you have read a verse that you know what that verse means. What I think I know produces zero. What I know deeply produces faith. We hear a lot of scriptures. We, we read scriptures. We write scriptures down. But have you ever taken the time to go back and understand what those words really mean? I'll give you an example. 1 Peter uh, 3.7. Can you put that up for me, Luke? 1 Peter 3.7. Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and of being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So you read that verse, you read that verse, and you say, okay, so i got to try and understand my wife, and I understand that I'm stronger, so I'll open all the pickle jars. <laughs> Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding. Okay, I've got to understand. All right, I'm going to understand. Why does she do that? Let me try and understand. Why did she put the milk in the bowl first and then the cereal? I don't understand that. No more than a woman can understand a man. Women, how many times have you looked at your husband and said, Honey, what are you thinking? And what did the husband say? Nothing. She did not understand that. She had no understanding that men, we can drop down into low gear and we can sit there as blind and as dull as they come. And for years, I would use that verse on my marriage. All right, I'm going to dwell with wife, my wife with understanding. But see, I thought that understanding meant that just try and figure her out. And no matter what she did, then I'll just figure her out and, I'll just, and it'll be okay because then I'll understand her. 
And that, I was so far away. That verse could have got me killed. <laughs> Do you know what it means to men to dwell with your wives with understanding? It is to have firsthand personal knowledge of who she is. That means to study her. Not like a science fair project. <laughs> From a distance. It means to know her through intimate knowledge. That means to find out what her heart is. That's to find out what makes her scared. That's to find out what makes her strong. The only way you'll ever dwell with your wife with understanding is to spend time with her and to find out who she really is. Now, does that change that verse for you? It did for me. It totally changed my life of how I, how I think about Michelle now. Because now I want to understand. I want to know her. See, now I've got faith. Now I've got revelation. See, I, if I had not gone back and looked up that word understanding, I would have never known that. I could recite the verse. I memorized the verse. I know the verse. But the verse wasn't profiting me. Why? Because I thought I knew it. Do you see how easy we can do that? You need to go back and you need to test every scripture that you've ever used. And you need to find out what that scripture really means. It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Because the word that you think you know is producing nothing in your life. And it's frustrating. Because I keep saying it, and I keep saying it, and I keep saying it, but nothing seems to change. Why is it? Because you don't have revelation of it. I haven't taken the time to get revelation knowledge of what that word means. Let me show you something. Let's look at numbers. Numbers chapter 21. And I'm going to begin in verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against Moses and against Moses... I'm sorry, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people that they might bite the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, oh, We have sinned. <laughs> I think we would all come to that revelation, wouldn't we? on that one we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us so Moses prayed for the people then the Lord said to Moses make a fiery serpent set it on a pole and that shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and so it was if the serpent had bit anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent serpent he lived 
Now, in my Western theological American mind, who likes everything fast and quick, it would be like if that serpent was that camera right there, this is all I'd have to do. Okay, I got it. All right, I looked at the serpent. Okay, I'm good. Let's go on to the next thing now. All right, I looked at the pole. That word is implying stopping, fixing my position, and gazing at it. I had to stare at that serpent until healing came into my body. That's how we have to treat the word. You have to stare at that word until it changes you. If you don't look at that word long enough for it to change you, you are not going to get the revelation that it's trying to produce in your life. I have to look at it. I have to gaze at it. I have to study it. I have to ponder it. I have to meditate it. I have to look up words. Folks, we are lazy. Just say it. We're lazy. We got Bible apps that will take a word and turn it into 9,700 million different other words by the click of a finger. You have the whole Bible at your fingertips through technology. You can look up every single word of every single scripture that you've ever used, and it will give you the Greek or the Hebrew definition of what that word really means. Look up the words of the scriptures that you are standing on. Write them out in long form, including all of the definition of what that word really means. Then start meditating on that scripture. Then you're going to start seeing the revelation of what it really means. It's called Bible study. What we've turned Bible study into is you come on Wednesday night and someone teaches you the Bible. That's not Bible study. That's Bible teaching. Bible study is when you take the time to get into this word for yourself. How serious are you about getting what you're believing for? How serious are you? How bad do you want it? I want it. I need it. I got people that are depending on me. They need that. There are people that need your faith for you to believe God for them. You have no idea what's on the other side of your obedience. You have no idea. You have no idea what's waiting on the other side of that verse. It could be the greatest time you've ever experienced in your life. But because we don't have revelation of what that word means, I just keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it, and nothing changes, and I make a T-shirt, and I get a wristband, and, and then it's like this thing doesn't work. And it does work. Now, I'm not one about, oh, getting desperate and getting emotional to get God to move. It doesn't work that way. But I do think there is a place where we have to show God we're serious about what we're doing. I'm not going to pick on Emily, but I'm going to pick on Emily. <laughs> Emily's going to medical school. And one of the big things about Emily going to medical school is, and the, the test that she takes called the MCAT, is they want to see how serious you really are about going into medicine. It is incredibly hard. It is, it, is, it, is, it is made for you to wash out because they don't want to waste their time on somebody that's not 100% committed to this process because it's going to cost you everything for about seven years. And if you haven't already made up your mind that you are going to finish, that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith... 
that you're not ready to come, just not ready to start it, but you're ready to finish, then don't even bother going to medical school because this isn't for you. We've got to treat the Word of God the same way. We've got to treat the Word of God like, Jesus, you're telling me that you're the author and the finisher of my faith. Then I've got to know that if I'm going to get through this thing together, I've got to see it from the end to the beginning. One of my favorite documentaries is on the Navy SEALs and what it takes and all the grueling stuff that to be a Navy SEAL, and that's the elite special forces in the United States through the Navy. And they would take this class, and these guys are lieutenants, captains, majors. They've already been through everything that the Navy has to offer or the Marines. They've already been through it. But this is a whole different level. And for you to leave the program, there's a bell, and you take a bat, and when you can't handle anymore, you hit that bell, you quit, and you move on. There's no, there's no shame in it. It's incredibly hard. And they interviewed the first guy, and he was like, you know, this is Bill, and Bill's the biggest, and Bill's the strongest, and Bill's the most educated. We all know that Bill's going to make it. Guess what? Bill was banging that bell like the second day. But there was this other guy, and he said, you know what? I had already made up my mind that no matter what they did to me, I was already on the other side, and I was going to make it through this no matter what happened. I wish that you and I, as the body of Christ, me included, were more mentally tough. I really wish we were. I wish we had a little bit of Tom Brady in our thinking. That we're going to keep playing this game until I win. Not giving up so much so quickly when things don't go the way that we think that they should. Having that bulldog, bulldog tenacity. See, I'm, I'm watching my wife go through something, and she's got a bulldog tenacity that I am not letting go of the promises of God. She's fine. Don't look at her. She's fine. <laughs> she's got a tenacity. We're not letting go. How bad do you want it? How bad? Do you really want to see your loved ones born again? Do you really want to see them in heaven with you? How bad do you really want it? Maybe it's something material. You believe in God for a car. How bad do you want that car? Are you willing to do what he tells you to do? Are you willing to sow the one that you have in order to get it? Uh-oh. It just got real. Because with revelation comes wisdom. And the wisdom is how to actuate the promise. Oh, this is so good. God is so good. Amen? So good. <sighs> Almost done. We have to look at the word until it changes us. Until he changes us. We don't need things. Say, I don't need things. I need revelation. We don't need things. I need a revelation from God. With that revelation, there's nowhere you can't go. There's nothing you can't do. I need a revelation this morning. Anybody need a revelation of healing in your body? 
Amen. Well, we're going to sit there and we're going to gaze at that word until it changes you. Doesn't care what it feels like. Doesn't care what it looks like. How many of you need a financial miracle right now in your life? It's okay. What do I do? If I need finances, what do I do? Absolutely. But I got to gaze at that word. I can't tell you how much money I've given away and didn't use any faith. Because I just gave it. I thought I was selling it, but I gave it. God is good. Amen. Who's believing for a spouse? Amen. Y'all should look at each other in the room while while y'all are doing that. (laughs) Pastor, how do I believe for a spouse? Well, you pray for them, but you also, you, you pray for you. That you can be everything that that person needs to be, needs you to be. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. We have the, the recipe for success. We have the word of God. He's left us with the very, very of his best. He's given us his word. And what you and I do with his word is going to be in direct proportion to how your year is going to be. If you want a successful year, see, I'm a different person than I was this time a year ago. It was an uncomfortable year, very uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm stronger in faith today than I was a year ago. So for that, I'm thankful. A little bit of tribulation is good for you once in a while. A little bit of pressure, right? It is good. 